That, uh, welcome to another edition of the Hangout Podcast. This is your host, Juan Hernandez. I uh, want to welcome back to the show a uh, very special guest, uh, Heli Martinez. Welcome back, Heli. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. It's always great to come back to your home here in Baytown and just kind of sit down and chat for a little bit before before or after we do a guitar lesson or, or a bass lesson, whatever it may be. It, it's been a while. It's been raining pretty good oh, around yeah. town. So. Yeah. And you've been very busy, too, playing gigs yes. all, over, all over the place. Yes, just this weekend, uh, had uh, three gigs, two, two down coastal Louisiana in Port Arthur, one in Port Natchez, and uh, yesterday we did one at T-Bone Toms in Kima. And uh, the one on, it all started with the bang raining like crazy on the way to Port Arthur. And when we got there, they turned out they had a tent and we were playing outside. So it was raining when we were there too. Does it really matter for you when you go out and uh, play gigs? Do you like just playing anywhere? Does it, or does, do you have like a specific place you like to play, play well, at? Actually, inside is better. Mm-hmm. But uh, outside, if it's just nice outside and you got a good crowd, it, then, it's, then it's real nice. A good crowd makes the difference. Right, right, right. Yeah, good crowd. So it could it can be outside, and it can, the weather can be rough. But if the crowd is nice and receptive, then mm-hmm. it, that's good. As long as all the gear is working right, right. you know, then uh, no problems like that. Then everything goes well most of the time. Well, that's pretty good. And if you love playing, I mean, right. I, think, I guess it really doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. At the end so. of the day, we were talking before we started about all these. Uh, you know, we on the previous episode we talk about all the same as musicians that have passed away. I know some so young, and to this day, even more musicians passing away. I mean, is it just the the way that it? You know, that it's. Uh, I guess a lot of it. Uh, is it lifestyle? Is it? Is uh, it just reality? I mean, you know, people are getting older. Yeah, and I think a lot of the the lifestyle from from the older musicians that they had you know during the rock days even the jazz days they were doing real hardcore stuff you know things and uh, if you don't uh, quit in time it, it really will damage a lot of your health and if you don't get back into a, a routine of health and then uh, then 
you, your days may be numbered because, and also being on the road, like some, I was just thinking when we were talking about it, about, uh, you know, people, some of the groups will be on tour and one of their members dies, you know, at, on, on the road. And uh, the road can be a difficult thing. So if you've had a rough life before, you're not taking care of yourself, the road can just multiply, exacerbate uh, uh, how hard it is on your body, you know. The road, living in hotel rooms and new places, and it can be a lot of fun, but it can also be real hard on you. Right, especially if you live in places like uh, L.A. or Las Vegas, which you lived in Las Vegas right. for, mm -hmm. I think it was about two years. Yes, uh, two years. Two years. Yes. If you're living in a place like that and you're just partying 24-7, I mean. Which, in a place like Las Vegas, easy to do. Yeah. Because you can get up at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. and be right in the thick of, of uh, partying, you know, uh, if you want to. And it's easy to do. You know, all the casinos are open. All the bars are open. There's people out hanging around that'll get you just about anything you want. You right. Know? So, uh, if you don't watch it, if you don't, you're not conscious of, hey, this could be dangerous, you can lose your health and your money. <laughs> right. I was just watching, started watching this show today on HBO called uh, Vinyl. Uh -huh. And it's about, it's loosely based on the stuff that happened in the 70s with the, mainly like, people in the music business the music industry right. how everything worked and it's really really interesting to see how 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 these uh, businessmen operated you know they wanted they wanted like the next hot thing whatever was hot like yeah. okay this sounds pretty good just try to push that right and uh, that have other people that were really good but they really didn't want them to play that stuff let's right. say they'll have so, like a new guitar player they'll want him to play I guess top 40 right and the guy's like well I want to play you know my own stuff and they're like no you're gonna play this because we're telling you what to play you know? right you sign the contract you sign a contract and so and and musicians, musicians used to not look at those contracts you know and not be they just looked at, at fame and fortune they didn't know that these business guys that were taking care of the business for them may not be looking out for them you know, mm -hmm. their the business guys are answering to the record labels, which they might have their own idea where they want you to go. Yeah. So you may find yourself in situations where you'll even be wearing stuff they want you to wear. And uh, you may go in the studio and record, let's say, 10 pieces, and the stuff that you want released, they're not going to do it. You know, they'll release the one that you least like. And, uh, and what happens when you they release the one you least like and you become big off of that? <clears throat> then they want you to continue writing in that vein for a while. What if if you really want to be an artist and you want to explore? They may not want you to do that. So it's uh, a lot of times they didn't the business uh, managers and all that weren't really looking out for you, you know, and your artistry. So do you think that really? In a way, I guess, do you really think that, that it hurts an artist for... Because I see that transition a lot there from the 70s to like the 80s where mm -hmm. people started, you know, okay, the glam look was in and everybody started teasing their hair and right. they started doing all the all the hair band stuff and then towards the 90s, the grunge scene hits and then the uh, 
people in the music industry are like, okay, this is a new thing. If you want to stay current, you got to change your look. You got to grow a goatee or something. Right, start we, wearing flannel. Right, if you want to sell records. Mm -hmm. and, and some of them did that, and others just kind of just, I guess, kept doing what they were doing, and others just couldn't. Some of them, I'd say a few of them survived, and most of them didn't. Right, and a lot of them get... Uh, get thrown off by the wayside, right? So uh, you may have been popular in the 70s and all of a sudden the whole scene is changing from under you mm -hmm. and uh, the record labels are no longer accepting you. So what happens to you? You have a band that was famous, uh, let's say you're in a band that was big in the 70s or 80s and then all of a sudden uh, new things start to happen. Um, the new, and the new generation wants to hear different things. What happens to you as a musician, as an artist? Well, you kind of have to adapt. A lot of it is to adapt and uh, and really decide, do you want to do this? You know, do you... And some people do sell out, you know. And um, some people are happy doing that. They're fine, you know. They're kind of selling their soul to the devil, kind of. Yeah. But... Some people are okay with that, but then you have your uh, um, people who are serious, artists, musicians, um, artists per se, that want to do their own thing, and uh, that might hurt. I'm not saying it's, it's going to hurt you. It depends on what you put your priorities to. So if it's more important to you to, to pursue your art, then I think it's, in the long run, it's pursue your art. Mm -hmm. yeah. a, a band that comes to mind when when you mention that is uh, ACDC. There, throughout their whole career, whether it was the '80s or the '90s, they just stick to what they were, what they started out doing, which Correct. was playing rock and roll. Yeah. And to this day, they're still filling out stadiums. And they are selling out. Luckily, uh, not luckily, they worked real hard at it, but they really, uh, they really had a huge following, and. Uh, it's still those people that followed them are still around. Yeah. So uh, they still fill the stadiums, and uh, they they've turned on a lot of new new people on a, new, a lot of new people. A lot of their so, kids. A lot, a lot of their of, kids. Right. Uh, right. Fans' so, kids and their grandkids. Right. So, and uh, so they're still viable. You know, they can still fill the stadiums and all that. So mm -hmm. only a few bands. In the old, from the older days, were able to transition and remain doing what they love to do, which is great. You know, right, right. Be right. able to do what you started off doing and enjoy doing. So, uh, but not everybody gets that chance. Mm -hmm. you know. We were talking. We're talking about uh, different styles in music. Um, how far back do you go uh, as far as playing guitar that you remember? Well. Uh, Gosh, it would have been the 60s. The the 60s. So w when you started, uh, let's say, started playing guitar in the 60s, uh -huh. what kind of style were you kind of starting out playing or were you kind of just... Uh, at that time, let's see, I was in like 15, 16 and uh, already getting into bands. So we were playing uh, kind of what was on the radio, Top 40 and uh, all the hits. In those days, it was The Stones. Yeah. It was a lot of the R&B singers, Wilson Pickett, um, uh, The Stones, some Beatles, uh, a lot of those kinds of bands. So you did what was on the radio. And uh, that got you inside the door of the clubs. Because uh, club owners want you to play what, what the people are going to want to hear. 
you know, or can dance to. So uh, it, back then when I started, it was what it was on whatever was on the radio, which was the Stones, the Beatles, that kind of stuff, and a lot of artists that are no, no longer around but had top forty hits at the time. Mm -hmm. So uh, and it changed every five years; it would change. Yeah, you know, and, and maybe in two years. Uh, another uh, another batch of songs would come on the radio, and you would learn like five or six of those songs uh, that were top hits. So you just kept refreshing your your uh, your repertoire uh, in order to stay current. And so you could play it up at a club; they could book you, and the people that were coming out to hear you. Would say, oh yeah, I heard that on the radio. I heard that on the radio. So that's one of the things. A lot of bands that were practicing, uh, you know, they were friends of mine, you know, they had the garage, we all started off as garage bands, right? So, but a lot of them didn't want to do any of the pop songs or commercial hits. Uh -huh. So, but they wouldn't, they, they wouldn't get booked, you know. They, so you kind of had to sacrifice a little. Sacrifice, <laughs> yeah, you did. But sometimes you really liked the songs that were out there. Yeah. The trick was to write your own material, if you could do that. But you really had to have good writers and, and then meet the people that then spend the money on the studio time. Or if you were lucky enough, get seen by some kind of promoter that would uh, turn you on to a... would take you in the studio, make a demo of your original material, and would be able to sell it to a record label. Then you would get big. Otherwise, if you were just gigging a musician, like I was, then you you learn the stuff that's on the radio, okay. and a lot of it was great. A lot of it was great stuff, and and you'd go to the gig and and you'd play your material, and and uh, and people would dance, and and the club owner would be happy and say, well, you guys are booked next week too. So, and put money in your pocket, and to us that was a lot, you know, that was good money. Yeah, and then you can slowly start to slip in, maybe a original track oh, yeah. and then another one and another one and that's the trick is you could slip one in as long as you're uh, out there gigging then you're able to have money make doing playing the instrument you like to play you know it was better than going to the plant and digging and you know yeah. working all day long uh, and not and having a hard life you know and not be able to play your you'd be too tired to play your guitar yeah you know absolutely. after that so uh, it was great to to live playing five nights a week and not have to go dig ditches and stuff. So, and then in the sixties, that was in the that was the uh, around the era of Woodstock. Every, everybody yeah. from uh, Carlos Santana, Janis Joplin, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Santana, uh, Jimi Hendrix, and like. that was a lot of. Uh, you, when you hear the music, you hear it now. Everybody had their own distinct sound and but mostly all of it came from stem from like the blues and right it was deeply rooted in all that stuff and, yes it and was. It eventually turned into what Jimi Hendrix ended up doing right and, and there were Carlos some, Santana did yeah and there were folk acts you know that started off playing acoustic guitars but then added electric guitars to mm -hmm. it you had uh, 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 Crosby Stills Nash and Young uh, they did that uh, Stephen Stills they had stuff like that uh, the birds, yeah, the birds, that kind of stuff. But then you had your English acts like the Yardbirds, which that's where uh, Clapton, 
Jimmy Page, Jeff right. Beck, and those guys. So you had the American guys and you had the British guys. So um, we were able to play from both. Like when I was a kid, we were able to dip from the British guys and, and learn some of their tunes, then learn some from the American artists, Beach Boys even, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so you had a wide variety of tunes you could learn. Meanwhile, you're learning how to play and uh, you're getting you're getting better on your instrument, you know. And if you and if you're really creative, then you started writing your own stuff too. We talked about before uh, the last time we talked about uh, Jimi Hendrix and uh, Jimmy Page. Right. Um, what was it about about Jeff Beck that you really liked about his guitar playing? I've only heard uh, bits and pieces here and there of, of Jeff Beck songs. Uh, I've seen him play several times on TV yeah. and on, on videos. Jeff Beck is a little, uh, would step out on a limb a little bit more than, well, I mean, they both, uh, Hendrix did too, and so did uh, Jimmy Page. But for some reason, Jeff Beck just kind of, uh, and Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page and used to run around together. And uh, they all knew each other, Clapton and all those guys. Clapton kind of went the blues route. Uh, Jeff Beck kind of went the route of like what would be kind of termed as metal music a little bit, the early stages of it, so did Jimmy Page, you know, heavy rock and roll. Right. So he was kind of, uh, Jeff Beck to me was the, the guy that could step out in front and play a, a cool solo, uh, and he was a little wild. He could do things on the guitar that other players weren't doing. I liked that. Yeah, so it just hit me. Right. So, so and he and he never used. I've never seen him use a pick when he's playing. No, he started off with a pick, but no more. He's just all finger, you know. So and you get a certain sound with with your like. Here's a pick. So let's say you're able to dig in with a pick. Hit the, hit the note hard, and then hit it soft. But with a finger, it's almost, almost real personal. So it's, it's a, and plus you can use all your fingers. So, uh, no, Jeff Beck doesn't use any picks anymore. Started off that way, but but then he got out of it. There's another uh, guitar player, Richie Kotzen. He he's also very prominent for not using the pick when he's playing guitar. Okay. And he does a lot of. Uh, he joined Poison when he was uh, I think he was 21 when he, when they called him to join the band, and then he went on to pursue his uh, his own solo career throughout the 90s. Played a lot of uh, a lot of blues, a lot of jazz fusion, just a wider range of. Uh, guitar styles. Okay. Um, he's another one that comes to mind when not using a pick. Of not using the pick, it's it's very rare. Right. I mean, you've you only see that in I've only seen that in bass guitar. You see it also in classical guitar. And right. All, but electric guitar is very rare. Yeah, it is, and especially in heavy rock music, it's yeah. rare to see it like that. Yeah. So, um, a lot of people just comfortable. Some people are just comfortable with no pick, mm -hmm. and it's great if you can develop it that way because. Uh, you can get you can do a lot of other things with it, and it seems to be a more personal touch to it because you're actually just using your flesh. You can feel it, you know. So you you can do 
it's more personal. I think that's that's part of it. So. started bringing in seemed a lot of, that's when Zeppelin and those guys started coming and arena rock started happening right you have a you have a band like Black Sabbath uh, coming out into the into the 70s and just the whole different style of guitar playing with that band yeah as far as uh, tuning down the guitars sometimes all the way down to C C sharp right. and then nobody had ever played like that in way before you know then. who did that the blues guys did that the blues really? guys used to do that, but it was a whole different kind of playing. You know, you just have a guy sitting there with, with, with an electric, and he may just have a drummer, old blues guys, and, and a bass player, and he and he tuned down. You know, and and they would do like, well, let's say they would tune down like they might tune. They might get a slide. The blues guys. They would tune an E, they'd play a D chord, and tune their E string down to a D, and do the... things started coming in uh, I can the 70s. I can see where he, he gets the inspiration from. Yeah. And then he just fuses that into heavy metal and you, you exactly. get Black Sabbath. Big amplifiers now, over, you know, really loud and you just go, wow, okay. But really a lot of those things had been invented already by the by the blues guys. So they just kind of... They morphed it. Morphed it and just kind of made it their own. Right. That's pretty interesting. And a lot of them copied, copied the, the blues guys direct licks they copied them and made songs of their own oh okay and uh like even uh you know let's take zeppelin well you know you they're blues guys who were going much slower 
So Jimmy Page comes along and goes, eh, let's speed it up. Yeah. Okay, now it's our song. You know, so a lot of things were stolen from the black guys, and the black guys never got any credit for it. The blues guys, the blues guys, is what I'm saying. And most of them, and they'd, they'd have a an acoustic guitar and put a pickup on it, and uh, and overdrive the little amplifier, and it was really cool. I mean, I, I loved that kind of stuff. So, uh, but uh, a lot of the heavy metal guys just stole directly from them. You know? A lot of licks like that were already done. Yeah, so then you have a guy like, uh, we talk a lot about him, about uh, Eddie Van Halen. How does he get that, because uh, I know he was a big uh, a big uh, Clapton fan. Yeah. But when you when you listen to, to his playing, it's, you know, it's completely left field to what Clapton was doing and uh -huh. what Jimmy Page was doing. Well, you know, Eddie, I, and from reading uh, some of the stuff, he was really listening to a lot of classical players too, uh, piano players, and he and he was intrigued by by how how they could play uh, more notes than, and he developed the tapping thing, right? So. So you can see where the a, a classical piano player would be playing those licks yeah. or etudes, and, and I think Eddie said, "How do I incorporate that with with with?" And, right. So he's kind of d combining those together, and uh, he did it quite successfully because he he must have practiced and practiced and practiced just to get that. And then, you know, the tone, the tone that he that he eventually ended up getting, yeah, yeah, kind of developed into his own sound. Oh yeah, it was, and he called it the brown sound. The brown sound, the correct. Brown sound, and he had certain pickups that he liked, a certain sound that he wanted off his guitar to get, and he he, uh, he used Marshall amplifiers, you know, yeah. which was real. So there there were certain Marshalls at a certain time that were made to get that that were, a lot of people really want. Now, now Marshall recreates those and charges a lot of money for them, you mm -hmm. know, because uh, they had a great sound. Was it the uh, the uh, tube amps? Yeah, that the you're tube amps, definitely tube amps, like an amp head, yeah, a big amp head, and they were called the JCM 800s or something. Uh, Marshall and uh, I think he used to work on those too. He'd switch out tubes, put in. Uh, yeah, he would he would hot rod them. He would hot rod them along with his guitars, and he would pretty much test drive them and see if they were right capable of you know yeah meeting his and push uh, them to the limits yeah and push it because they did the arena rock big time right oh yeah and so you can sit there and put you know several speakers uh, stacks with a couple of different marshals and crank it to its fullest and see what it's going to do and uh, and he'd also like I said we rewire the guitars to, to experiment to see if we could get the, probably the hottest output possible, you know. Yeah. And he also had um, on the records they sounded like they were in an arena, right? 
they sounded like they were in an arena. And when to do that, you 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 add a lot of uh, you add like. Okay, so uh, they had that arena sound. You hear it repeating? Yeah. when they record their songs you hear that yeah so there's, there's a lot of that going on right it was a i was watching this interview he did about a year or two ago with the um something that had to do with the smithsonian and they asked him uh, they asked him what kind of music he was listening to currently mm -hmm. and he says man i haven't listened to music in maybe 20 25 years like you know he hasn't kept up with anything that's been going on right so I guess that too has a, a little something to do with you know him having a I guess distinct style and tone kind of just creating that from within instead of outside influences yeah here or there exactly there's so much to get into and and you know I th uh, musicians there's times in, in my life when when I was playing all the time like I am now but but it was playing a, even more so back then, five days a week, where you just didn't listen. I didn't listen to any more music, you know. I just, I just listened to what I was, I was playing. But you, you get into what you're into, and uh, it doesn't necessarily mean it can't. It doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing that you don't listen to uh, or keep current to what's out there, because uh, there's so many avenues in music. There's so many different ways you can go about it. It doesn't necessarily mean to everything that's out there right now, uh, but uh, artists are that way. They may not listen to it. They may get into their own thing, so yeah, and stay there. And that's one of the ways to develop what you're into. Uh, but uh, artists can be quite fickle about that. And it's very strange too when you when you hear somebody like Eddie Van Halen or you know somebody talking about that stuff. It's it's kind of rare because you know he's very. Uh, He's very reclusive when it comes to yeah. doing interviews and doing press, and when he does, it's—I mean—it's pretty fascinating. Quite really the, the yeah. st all the stuff that he knows, right? All the knowledge that he's been able to, yeah, acquire over the years, right? And uh, they're a pretty good live band. I went to go see them last year, down at the Woodlands, and I mean that's who, the second time that I saw them. Who was with who, who? What personnel did they have? They had David Lee Roth. Yeah, it was David Lee Roth. Eddie Van Halen, Alex Van Halen, right, and Eddie's son on bass. Eddie's son, okay, playing bass, and he's just 
So it was pretty much the original lineup minus the bass player. Okay. And um, they're pretty good. I bet they were. They're pretty good. Uh, did they do uh, some of their their hits? Oh yeah, they even did a couple of deep tracks too. But they they did a lot of a lot of their hits. Okay. And I mean the place was packed. I bet it was. That was a that was the first time I actually took my dad to go see them. And he grew up a Van Halen right. fan for, since the first album, '78. And did he enjoy it? Oh, big time! It, he's like, man, it takes me back to when I was 16. I bet he did. Listening to the to the first album. I bet he when it first it. came out. It's just it's just amazing. <laughs> That's great. That's he just, great. Uh, buys a couple beers and just right? know, sits back and right? enjoys the whole show. It was crazy. And the fact that David Lee Roth was singing exactly that's just crazy like the first album right yeah just like the first album exactly. it's just insane people will say you know david lee Roth's not a good well he's not a good singer right he's a good he's a good frontman yeah and and he has his own sound yeah you know i you know he may not be the like you said the best singer but it really when they came out he was he fit that thing so well yeah he had the charisma he had the, charisma, he had the look right the wildness he had everything right and you know he doesn't jump like he used to <laughs> anymore <Thank> cause <laughs> yeah because he's kind of getting up during age right. but i mean he's still he's still out there doing it and even eddie doesn't jump as much as he used to not as much remember he used to do jump and do those splits yeah like that? well he he did that did this, this last show <laughs> he actually got on the uh right next to the drum riser he just jumped but it was just one time one that he did time, it. <laughs> right he's not gonna risk it now yeah not enough calcium in the bones anymore yeah but he uh he's another he actually went through um i forget yeah. what time of cancer he had Eddie did yeah i think it was tongue cancer or something and he said something in an interview with uh, howard stern years ago mm -hmm. saying that he cured it somehow i don't know i don't know what what but he was working with some doctor whatever it was and they ended up slicing like, I guess it was like three fourths of his tongue. Well, really, took it out, uh, used a lot of stem cell treatment, and uh -huh. just completely got rid of it. Oh, that's good to hear. And I think it was mostly from all the smoking that he that he yeah. used to do. I mean, it, yeah. it took its toll. Right. Uh, he uh, he smoked one right after the other, probably yeah. all day long. Uh, I saw him in the earlier years at, in in Houston a couple of times. I remember the first time I saw him. Uh, you know, there was when he did eruption, when he did that, did that whole thing. You know, he'd be running around all over the place, and, and before they come into uh, "You Really Got Me," he does his whole uh, the eruption thing. And uh, well, he 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 went like to one side of the stage, his side of the stage, but he went to the very edge, and he and he sat down. It was high enough where the the fans couldn't get up to him, you know, but he could dangle his legs. So he's sitting down. He's got the He's got the guitar on his lap, and he's got his shirt off, and and he's got a cigarette in his, in, in, you know, in his in his mouth, and then he'd take it off and he put it on on you know here. Yeah. And I used to do that, but uh, <laughs> uh, and I and some of my guitars would have a cigarette burn right there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but he'd put it right here, so he's sitting there playing eruption, and in between he'd grab a cigarette, and he'd, Smoke he'd, he'd it. take a drag off it, put it back, keep doing eruption. So he was smoking all the time. <laughs> But it, it seems so uh, easy for him to do, you know. But can you imagine the hours of practice that he had? Oh, just endless. So, so, so when I saw him, you could tell that he must have practiced that, that 
that form of playing so much. But uh, he was running around back then. Yeah, and to be able to, you know, just have your entire focus on just that. Right. You, know, you forget about everything. Exactly. You know, you're you're going to be, you know, you're going to be a guitar player and you're going to play. Yeah. And, you know, like everybody, I've, I bet he didn't even know he was going to become what he became. Huge. Very Huge. influential throughout not just heavy metal, but rock and other styles of music. He sure did. I mean, are you kidding me? He, he started that, almost started that whole movement, you know. Yeah. It's almost like he sitting right here and all these branches go off of people that he influenced and opened the doors for mm -hmm. too so and you see a lot of a lot of later later players in the 80s uh trying to emulate his not emulate but kind of just grab some of what he did and just kind of turn it into their own right there you see you start seeing players uh coming out of Berkeley coming out of the uh, Musicians Institute, all right. the shred guitarists, and just kind of you can hear it. They all have their distinct style. There's distinct style. The more prominent ones, you right. know, and you see the the ones that are you know fresh out of the institute or college yeah. or whatever, and they're just ripping it. But there's just something. But that, you can hear the Eddie influence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you see a player like like Malmsteen or yeah. Steve Vai. You can kind of hear different influences here and there, you can. and they you can hear their own version of it. Uh, it. It was a whole school of of that. It was a whole movement in guitar playing. But you know what? It, it when Eddie did that, when he came out into the scene, the positive thing about it was he opened the doors for so many. You know, there were tons of kids going to the stores buying guitars because of Eddie. So. The industry itself, he influenced, you know, music stores were selling a lot of guitars because of Eddie. And it opened, like, the doors for your all the other players that wanted to, that were influenced by him to do something. And he seems very, when I listen to him talk in interviews and stuff like that, he seems very, you know, he's not a, he's not a rock star, you know, right. when he's on doing he's interviews, like normal guy. doing press, he just seems like a normal guy who just loves playing guitar. He does, he does. And that's, I, that's, that, you know, that's pretty cool to see somebody like that, where you see other rock, rock stars, quote unquote, see them in interviews, they're always on all the time. You yeah, see, and, and they talk, a lot of them talk like, well, you know, I mean, I'm so good, I'm so good. They, yeah, Eddie wasn't like that. He, he didn't, he didn't tout himself, although he was way better than and, and he influenced them, not they, they him. Yeah. Uh, but there were quite a few guitar players like that during that era. You know, the long hair, the the frizzed up hair that I uh, frizzed up hair that I used to read in guitar player. And when they would interview them, these guitar players, they would be talking themselves up so much. You know, the ego thing. The they they. They would be touting themselves like, I'm so good, I'm so good, you know. And I hated to read that. Yeah. I hated to read that. And I think it became more of, you know, I can play these many notes. I can play right faster than the other right. guy. As if that meant, that meant everything. Yeah. And then suddenly everybody, even the bigger bands, they started noticing. They were like, yeah, we need to get a... We need to get a guitarist like this guy right. in our band. Maybe that'll, right. you know, keep us relevant. Right, right. And we need to tease our hair right. more now. And then before you know it, that's gone. And that's gone. And yeah. 
that pretty much got killed in the in the 90s when the whole grunge movement came in and then everybody all those bands they all kind of just went back in time and just started playing just straight ahead rock it, there was no more uh, glam glam the glam look no more flashy solos right. you know people got back to you know writing songs back to real thing you go you see you look at a band like Alice in Chains they did a lot of a lot of acoustic stuff throughout their throughout their career a lot of uh, EPs and, yeah. and it's really good stuff I don't know if you ever listened to any of their songs but they have some really good stuff okay. yeah they're they're heavy stuff too but okay. they have some really good acoustic stuff so they went back to that yeah it was most mostly you look at their influences they listen to a lot of Black Sabbath okay. uh, but you know the guitarist Jerry Cantrell, he listens to a lot of a lot of country, a lot of blues. He grew up on a lot of that stuff, so okay. he just kind of fused it with the heavy metal influence. Right. And you get a band like Alice in Chains. That's awesome. And then everybody starts. They see what they're doing is becoming pretty popular, and they're like, "Yeah, we need to do what they're doing now." Yeah, yeah. Do all the, all the, the the melodies and tune down a little bit and right. do what Pearl Jam is doing and right and do some acoustic things kind of didn't work because you see all these bands popping up on, on MTV now doing their unplug thing and oh here's a here's Dokken doing the unplug now and I, re I know you're right you're right uh, Queensryche doing unplug it's like whoa wait a minute <laughs> right 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 you might yeah. want to reconsider exactly might want to reconsider <laughs> not everybody can do can transition to no that. they had a um, it was them and Nirvana. They had really good unplugged shows on MTV, especially Nirvana, because the set that they played was mostly just covers. Yeah, they were. I remember seeing that. They still show it every now and then, like on uh, the public channel. Yeah, on uh, PBS. PBS. Mm. They showed that uh, the other day. I saw the Nirvana uh, a little bit of that. Like it was just a. a, 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 a they were running through things that they were going to show, and uh, they they came on and. And I haven't seen that in a while, where he, where Nirvana was doing the, the acoustic thing, you know. Yeah, they did a lot of uh, a lot of David Bowie covers. Uh, I mean, it's just a it's just a sh shame to you know look at a person like Kurt Cobain. You know, so much talent to be taken away so so quickly, it. so young. But he was so uh, I don't want to use the term disturbed, but he you know. He was kind of, you know, he mm -hmm. had some demons happening. Yeah, I I watched the uh, this documentary on Netflix on, um, no, not Netflix on HBO. It's mm -hmm. kind of like a kind of like a recreation of of his childhood growing up with like little like cartoon animations and like audio that he would record right. way back then. And yeah, he was he had a pretty rough uh, rough childhood coming up. And just a lot of things that weren't being addressed as far as his uh, his mental state. Me yeah, his mental state. So then you start adding in the fact that you know he starts becoming famous and and he wasn't being around all the yeah he wasn't exes. playing music to become famous. He just wanted to play music. Right. So he starts becoming famous. He's you know he's pretty much the guy in in the early '90s that everybody's looking up to. Right. So then he starts making a little more money and. He doesn't know how to handle it, and he starts using heavier drugs. He was already using drugs way before then, but then he starts getting into stuff like heroin, right? Just spiraling out of control. And then he was with uh, what was her, what was the girlfriend's name? 
Courtney Love. But wasn't she trying to keep him uh, from doing too much? Yeah, it was kind of a, it was a pretty strange relationship. Um, she was trying to keep him away from all that stuff while at the same time she was kind of doing the same thing. Controlling. Oh, yeah, I see what you Yeah, saying. so it was kind of very, very... Yeah, dysfunctional. Uh, yeah, very dysfunctional relationship because they ended up having a child together and yeah. that was kind of... Uh, I saw a video of him, uh, one of his last uh, videos that he, I guess she was recording, she was recording him, and he was just completely out of his mind. Was well, he really? Was just, was uh, like, the wow. last days? Yeah, his last days, mm -hmm. before he actually killed himself. Right. And when he reached that point where you kill yourself, I mean, that's just... Yeah. And, and how did he die? How did he die? Um, he, uh, no, no, he shot himself. Oh, he shot himself? Yeah, he took a shotgun well, and just... Well, then, if you get to that point... Ended it. And I think he was... He must have been high at that point. Oh, I'm sure he was. Yeah. But, uh, he... He did a lot of really good music. Right. I well, like, from I what like, he did. I liked Nirvana. That was one of those bands... That kind of... When that movement started coming in, that... Yeah. That, the movement that they were big part of they were one of the only bands that I liked like that I mean I was a, I was so heavy into other things that there were so many things I could dip my hand my hand in and they you know and this was coming out and I was like okay there's one more thing I I can listen to or one of the many million things I can choose to hear but I, I wouldn't hear a lot of different things but Nirvana I appreciated that. You know, it I just liked stood it. out. Yeah, they stood out to me. Mm -hmm. I go, gosh, I'm not really into this, but I like that. You know. And he put a lot of his. Uh, you can hear, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't processed or it was. It was real. It was real. It I think that's what that's what that whole movement was. They just wanted to get rid of that whole MTV stuff. You know, that's just. Oh yeah, I know. Forget that. That's over I know, with. I know. <laughs> yeah. It, it was the yeah that MTV thing was just destined to die because it was yeah it was getting to the point where everybody was having ballads everybody was everybody had a deal a record deal and everybody had to look that way right. to become they released their first album and they're famous now it's, right oh, wait a minute right where you see a band like Kiss it took them up to like four or five albums to finally hit it big. Because their first three albums were just, right. they weren't big sellers. But then you get those bands where, oh, okay, we'll give you a deal and yeah, you're and the next be, hot I remember thing. that. I remember that. And then, like you say, overnight, they're big time. And who were these guys? You know, last yeah. year they weren't around. This year now they're mega superstars. A year, two years after that, they're no longer around. You know? No, no. And it's pretty sad to see, see them nowadays. You know, like we've talked many times, they they can barely fill a, a club or right or an arena. Yeah, it's just sad. Yeah, much less you know try to put out new music because in today's world it's it's pretty hard. Exactly, it is. It's pretty hard. Yeah. There's only a few bands that can actually pull that off. I actually went to go see ACDC the last time that that I, that we spoke, and that was before they uh, the lead singer Brian Johnson. I don't want to say got kicked out of the band, but ended up leaving the band mm. for the hearing issue that they kind of pushed out out there. And uh, that's another thing that I wanted to talk about, because um, I know way back in the early '60s and the '70s, I mean, people were just cranking their amplifiers 
Yeah. And singers would have to sing over that. Yes. And I'd say most of them weren't wearing any, any type of hearing protection or Most or of them were not. Monitors. Most of them um, were not. Did you, uh, do you suffer from any type of hearing damage? Yes, from, I do. From back, from I way do. back then? There's no way to avoid it because of the, so many years that I've done, and from the moment when there were small amplifiers to the big amplifiers to nowadays, yeah, if you're going to be playing the way I did and the way most, a lot of musicians did, all, you know, as a li for a living, and you played it, you went through your times of playing in rock bands, really loud rock bands, mm -hmm. you're going to suffer hearing loss. You know, frequencies are going to be gone, but it's surprising how much I still have, you know. But there's times when I notice, where somebody will say something over the phone or, or, or in a conversation, and I'll only catch, there's certain frequencies that may pass me by, and I'll go, what? What did you say? And, and you know, it was clear what they said, but I missed part of it, you know. And not like it went blank. But certain frequencies, a word might not come, you know, you know, it's not just something that, uh, it's definitely damage to your ear. But there's guys that, that have really, I was around a lot of loud music for a long period of time, but guys that were doing those arenas and stuff that had those huge marshals, night after night after night, I can't imagine that volume. I mean, that's like 10 freight trains going on as opposed to one with me on stage you know when I, yeah and 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 day after day like when I would play we'd be setting up our stuff all our big PA and those were huge PAs at the time and you'd walk by a PA and right when you're walking by in front of it the sound man it pushes a button that he wasn't supposed to and it happens even to this very day it happens to me with the band that I'm playing with yeah they won't one of the guys will go over there and press a button not knowing that his master fader was all the way up and you happen to be walking by the the, the, the PA uh, speaker and it hits you right there you're gonna lose something you know so and over a period of time you're gonna lose hearing depending on how loud the for example a folk guitar a folk guitar player or artist that is that mostly played acoustic guitars throughout the years isn't going to have the ear damage that a regular rock guitar player yeah. playing for years would have. So, yeah, you're going to have damage. But the guys you're talking about, like your Van Halen's, your Pete Townsend's of The Who, Jimmy Page Zeppelin. with Zeppelin, man, they were, they were playing so loud. I mean, it, it's incredible. You know, they'd have three, four marshals full out, you know, and they'd be in front of them. It'd be so in front of them, you so know? you know they're hearing a shot. Yeah. For now, good. singer, <laughs> let's say he's not playing anything. He's just saying like a David Lee Roth or or a Robert Plant or something. He relies on monitors back, right? Or yeah. Like Coliseums, they'd have them up on the top, you know, blowing back at you. And when you're test the testing testing, those things are so loud for you to hear, so you can hear your voice. Wow. But in the older days. They didn't have monitors like that, so you'd have to scream, scream over the other players. So you have to just push yourself. Push to yourself harder than you should be. So do you play? Do you play now with uh, in-ear monitors? Because I know that came that came around. I, I want to say maybe 
around the 80s or so, or maybe a little bit before then. Uh, we don't, but uh, the leaders thought about about getting the whole band to do it. I think they bought some stuff, but they haven't incorporated yet. Okay. But most most uh, most uh, bands are using in-ear monitors now. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that whenever you go see somebody play, you see the little headphones. That's the way to go. That's the way to go. Yeah, because you can just adjust your adjust the volume to your own liking, and you know, exactly. the, the PA is just blowing everything to and the plus, audience. And plus, to each one, each different member, like you said, to your own liking, you can say, ah, oh, give me more guitar. Uh, give, oh, the guitar, the bass is too loud. So, depending on how you like it, you can have your own custom band inside of here at, at the level that you want. And you can hear everything crystal clear, right? Yeah. You don't have to be searching for it from some speaker box coming at you. you mm -hmm. So, yeah, in your monitors is the way to go. And, uh, let me talk about in your monitors. Um, I've noticed, uh, well, ever since I started going to shows uh, six years ago, every time I go to a show, I'm always wearing earplugs. As uncool as it can look, I always have to wear them. Right. Because it's, I think it was just one or two shows that I did. The first two shows, I think it was Kiss and mm -hmm. Rush. Those first two shows that I did without the earplugs, I mean, I was just... By the yeah. next day, I was like, yeah. wow, this, yeah. that's insane. But, no, it's better to, to take up. And ever since then, I've always worn the earplugs. You should. You always. Should. That's good. Do it. Keep that up, you know. And this, especially for the heavier bands that I've went to go, that I've seen, bands like Megadeth and Slayer, I mean, they're just a full-on right. sonic assault. <laughs> and even the last one, uh, Megadeth, that I went to, I wasn't, I was all the way in the back watching the show, but you could still, I mean, it was just loud. Right. Even with the, the, the even with the earplugs, earplugs, it's just still loud. Right. But I take them off after the show and it's like nothing happened. Right. Yeah. Whereas other people would be like, man, I can't, you know, my ears are still ringing from what? What? the day What'd before. What did you say? <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, that's, that's something that I've been reading up on. Ever since this whole thing with ACDC happened. And they ended up bringing Axl Rose from Guns N' Roses to fill in. Right. And he ends up having a broken foot, so he's just sitting down the entire show. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. He's just sitting down the entire show singing, but I think that kind of helps him because he's right. not running around. Right. He's actually singing. Right. And I saw a couple of videos here and there of, of the concert. You know, it's not... It's not Brian Johnson, but it's Axl Rose singing right. ACDC songs. I showed my dad a video the other day, and he was like, you know, that's cool, but it's not, right. you know, he can, it sounds like him singing ACDC songs, right. but it's not, it's not Brian Johnson. It sounds like Axl Rose. Good. Yeah, yeah, and he, I think, I think he did a pretty good job, regardless of what people will say. Well, I mean, that's good. If he did a good job, and he, and he practiced the songs, mm -hmm. and he learned them. I think that's a good deal. Because he's uh, he's playing with his heroes, right? And then he's going out on on a reunion tour with Guns N' Roses uh, afterwards. So right. he's got to be living Life the dream. Life is good. Right now. Life is good. So people can say whatever they want. He's exactly. just gonna. And he's one of those. Um, we were talking about ego. He was no, notorious for having a. I believe it. A huge ego way back in the in the early '90s when they were at their peak. Right. He would always. They were always known for going on stage two or three hours late. Yeah. Because he wasn't he wasn't ready. <laughs> you know, his voice wasn't ready or he 
didn't like the sound or right. his monitors yeah, weren't temperamental to his liking. Yeah. But there was a lot of personal stuff going going on at the same time. Um, but eventually, I guess you know now that he's getting older, he realizes, hey, you know, why are we all? Why do we all hate each other? You're right. Let's just get back together and just right. And also that uh, as you get older, you figure out that a lot of people just aren't going to put up with your shit anymore. Yeah, that's they're, what I was... You know, you can throw your tantrum and you're no longer a huge star anymore. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of other people now that'll take your place, you know. Could you imagine if he did that with ACDC? They'd kick him out right. in an instant. Exactly. In an instant, you'd be gone. You better mind your piece of juice. So. Yeah, there was a lot, of, a lot of singers that came to mind whenever they... They were thinking of replacing him with, with another singer. Um, they even auditioned this uh, this tribute singer from this tribute band, which was kind of strange to me because it's if you're go if you're a big band like that going out, I think you'd want to hire a new singer unknown to everybody and just kind of go out there and do it instead of having to hire. Uh, somebody that plays in a tribute band and just kind of bring him in. Oh, he looks like Brian Johnson. Yeah. He sounds, I mean, don't get me wrong, he sounded just like him, but, you know, there was still that thing that separated him from, right. from the original. Right. But it was pretty an, an interesting process to have him following along. Right. Um, but they're doing pretty good. Uh, they are. How, how are they selling as far as... People are still going to the shows. I mean, some people have asked for a refund because you know they're not seeing the original thing. But but they've got to know that it's that's what it is. But I mean, from what I've seen, they're still playing the big. They're playing overseas right now. Right. Places like Europe and stuff like that. Right. They're still filling out stadiums and stuff. So they, I guess some people don't. They just want to go see the band or listen to the song. Right. They don't care who. Yeah, they do. They do. So they're doing pretty good for themselves right now. Good, um, good. Before we kind of wrap it up a little bit, I wanted to talk a little bit about about lifestyle. I guess as a musician, right? I guess as far as taking care of your health while on the road, while right. off the road, because um, I've I've been seeing a lot of a lot of these musicians just tragedies passing away. Just recently, the drummer from from Megadeth, former drummer, passed away, and he was just fifth. 51 years old it's just that's a shame is that still that's too young it's just crazy um i know a lot of musicians well let's just say musicians have dabbled in drugs in their earlier part of their career and some just stick to a strict strict regimen throughout their whole life whether that's exercise or diet right combination of both um, how important is that for, let's say, for, for yourself as a musician and yeah. as, a, as a person? I think it can make all the difference because when you're gigging, gigging is not easy. It's not an easy job, you know. And if you're touring, it's going to be ten times harder because you're traveling from city to city to city. So your body's going through all these changes. You're going through airports. Like me, I'm going from a van to another city, but you're doing gear. A lot of those big bands aren't doing gear, but they're still got to, they've got to do rehearsals. Uh, you, and in the old days, they didn't get their sleep. They were doing drugs. They were drinking, and that stuff hurts your body so much. If you do it one day, one night, you party excessively, and you got several things to do the next day, plus a gig, 
uh, you know, you're going to need all your energy because you're going to be in front of, of, of people and you're going to be expected to perform. And, and it's not easy. It's still a hard physical job. Belting uh, out, whether you're singing or being in front of a crowd. I mean, you're really, you, you got to be sharp. So how important is it? It's really important because you're not going to feel good if you don't. And uh, it's going to take its toll if you do it three days in a row, if you party for three days in a row. By that fourth day, you're not going to be able to do the gig. You know, and you or you may want to be doing it, but you're inside. You're feeling real bad. Yeah. How much are you going to give to the people if you're feel that you know? And you're going to be in front of people. They're going to be looking at you. You know. So it's real important. Whatever your particular condition is, if you're a fairly healthy person, then definitely your sleep, your your diet. You know, it doesn't have to be strict. But you're going to need to get your sleep. And I think they've learned a lot. There's a lot of information out there. A lot of the musicians have learned that that's a good thing to do, the lifestyle thing, is to be a healthy lifestyle. But uh, some people just don't get it. But in the old days, they, the majority of them didn't get it. So it's very important. Very important to take care of yourself, get your rest, and uh, don't drink to excess or and stay away from the drugs you know yeah you're looking at a band like uh, like guns and roses i mean they were notorious for for going on playing drunk on stage right, and right. doing interviews and you can see them downing bottles of jack daniels oh man when i see that i really feel for the, for them i could I, you know they're yeah. sitting there going acting real bravado and like it's like like they're on top of the world like and they're being rebellious yeah but they're gonna pay the price for that you know? and i've seen videos of them uh playing on stage where they're just completely wasted and they just sound terrible right so not even sometimes they cue a song and then the other guy will start playing something else and they're like they're not even in sync with each other and right. they just stop and it's like okay i believe it let's try it again <laughs> And then they go off and, and then they start playing again. Oh, man, you know, that's no good. No, but then like you were saying, not getting enough rest. Some people will resort to taking pills. To take it, yeah. And then you got to get up, so then you got to take something to get up. Yeah, and then, but you're, you know, if you're, if you haven't had enough rest and you throw, and you throw amphetamines to make oh. it, give you the, uh, you know, the, the energy uh, to do it, that amphetamine is just like booze. It's gonna wreck your body. You and then know? you add in booze to that. And you're mix. adding booze. Hard, hard life. You're gonna pay for it. You know. Yeah. There's gonna be a, a reckoning. Yeah. The musician lifestyle is, is not for everybody. And no. Even if you are a gigging musician, I mean, there's a lot of people that they know. They're very conscious of what they're doing. You know, right. much like yourself. You know, very rarely do I. Or have I ever heard of you coming home drunk or... Right, yeah. Or do or getting on stage and being really Yeah, and just, just not knowing what to do. And right. Every time that I see you or talk to you, is all, you know, you're always, you know, oh, I'm doing, I'm playing here tonight and right. I'm playing the whole weekend. I'm like, wow, it's right. crazy. No, I couldn't do it if I lived the lifestyle like that. I'd probably already be dead. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's just the truth. Because yeah. most, most of these guys are, you know, 
fucking and, gone. And a lot of them all, before they went, they looked 10 years older, you know? Yeah. Or yeah. more. Yeah, I've, I've seen it firsthand. I remember uh, looking at people like... Uh, um, I'm trying to think. Uh, it was somebody that passed away not too long ago. That looked... That yeah, he just, he just looked in really bad shape. But then I've seen other people. I, I think it was the uh, one of the guitar players from the Scorpions. I look at him and I'm mm -hmm. like, he's got to be in his late 50s or something. Dude's almost 70. And I was like, wow. It, he just really takes good care of himself. He's always it. exercising and always having a good, you know, eating yeah. healthy. And I'm like, wow. That's if, you're, if you're playing music and you're living the, the right life, you know, good exercise and stay away from all that other stuff... Man, you're living a good life. Yeah, you're invested. You feel good. You're doing what you love doing. And if you're feeling really good and you're taking care of yourself, it's it's a wonderful thing. So yeah, instead of just throwing all that money away in exactly. drugs and alcohol. And your life away like yeah, that. Yeah, just invest in something good. Have your Yeah. You can build your own gym at home. And exactly. Just go from there, have your own gym on the road. And, and you got enough money in your pocket to go to a, yeah. a great restaurant that's going to serve you a good, healthy meal. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, gosh, you got you got a lot going for you at that point. A lot of people are too young; they don't have that that direction. Right. And I think that's what is missing a lot in the music industry. A lot of a lot of really good people that will lead you in the right direction. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's always somebody that's trying to get your money or yeah. take advantage of you. Yeah. And I'm sure you saw it firsthand. Oh yeah, I've seen throughout it. your whole career. I've seen it. I've seen it. And, and, and I've seen the lifestyle too. I've been mm -hmm. right in the middle of it where I've seen it. I've seen stuff, you know, just get a bar, seeing stuff go down. You're going, gosh. It's not going to end know. well. And the, you know, come on, Haley, let's go after the gate. Come on, Haley, we're going to go over here. We're gonna... Bye. See ya. Bye, you know. Got to go get some sleep. Right. I mean, I, I've, I've gone afterwards and had a great, but I've seen what happens. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so, no. It's it's great just to my party's at the gig already. I'm already yeah. have, I'm already at a party. Yeah, so that's that's uh that's where you get your high from. Exactly. Playing. 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 And that's a good thing too. Because you always see all these all these celebrities and always getting involved in these type of scandals. I mean use your celebrity for something good. Yeah. Yeah. For a charity or Exactly. Helping uh, children that are sick, you know. Yeah, or, I mean, or veterans or mm -hmm. or anything like that you know, for good causes uh, gosh there's so much power there you can do as opposed to wasting it away on, on your excess yeah getting you know, getting caught uh, I know they show it on TMZ a lot oh this uh, look what happened with this guy now right this guy I remember the other day they, they showed the singer for Molly Crew I think he was must have been drunk or something. Mm. Ended up hitting a woman or something uh -oh. out in the street, and then Nicholas Cage was with him, and right. he was drunk. Oh, I too. saw that one. <laughs> I saw that one. I was like, "What are you guys doing?" Yeah, exactly. Oh man, yeah. It's like they haven't grown up yet. Yeah, you know, it's like that's so. That's so. Yeah. Passe. That's so. Now you're sticking out. Yeah. You know? Now you're looking like the fool, and here, here's a camera, here's, mm -hmm. here's TMZ. You want it to go all over the world now? Yeah, maybe back then, yeah. maybe during the 80s. Maybe okay, back maybe then. he would have gotten away with it, because right. he ended up, actually, he got involved in a, 
in a car accident where the guy that was with him was a. Uh, I think he was playing for another. But he played for another band too. Mm. He ended up getting killed. Oh really? Yeah, because he got in. I mean, he was just oh, out of his mind, just wasted. They were going to a liquor store around the corner mm. just to buy more booze, and he ended up crashing with somebody, and passenger ended up getting killed. Passenger did? Yeah, the the guy that was with him, he also played in a band. I forget what band it was. But he got killed. He got killed, and he got away with it. You he know, didn't, he got char he was being charged, I think, with manslaughter or something, yeah. but. Somehow he got off. Somehow he got off with, I think, probation and mm -hmm. community service and just paid off a certain amount I mean, of money. I mean, you'd think that after that, you'd, you'd, you'd be by yourself and go and talk to God and say, I'm sorry. Yeah. Know, and I'm going to straighten this out. This is my fault. Instead, there he is drinking again, doing all that. Yeah, and I don't know if it, had to, it has to do with him being a celebrity or something, but somebody like you and I, we'd probably be behind bars right, right. now. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. For for, for life, pretty right. much. Right, exactly. And he got away. I mean, it's uh, it sucks, but yeah, that's just how life was lost, but that's yeah. just what happened. I mean, Well, you know, if he doesn't learn from it down the road, he's going to pay. It'll be his turn. Yeah. You know, to pay he's, somehow. He's not that old either. He's probably in his... He's probably 50. 51. Oh, really? He should already have learned that lesson. Yeah. You know? So, too bad for him. Yeah, I know. You know? I mean, those guys were also known for... Molly Crew guys were also known for their partying lifestyle. Right. Back in the 80s. They even wrote a book about it, too, which I haven't... I bought it the other day. I just haven't gotten, gotten around to it. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's just stories of, you know, their, their days of... Uh, partying and drinking right, right I mean I like reading about stuff like that but I also like reading about you know, how they were growing up uh, you know what led them to to do all those things and how they got out of it right. m most of them ended up getting out of it they ended up becoming clean and sober and to this day they're still clean and sober right it's uh it's kind of strange you see like the a guy like uh, Nikki Six the bass player he ended up pretty much dying from ODing on heroin and yeah. he got revived about five minutes later and then he's been clean and sober since since then but I mean if you look at him now he's a completely different different person to how he was before then so I guess I had to take that for him to right kind of change it up a well, little bit thank goodness that he did you know and he's a he's also I mean people in the business will say oh he's has a huge ego or but i mean he's just he's done some really good music right ego or, or not i mean yeah. they've done some pretty cool music good over good, the years so good but hell it's been it's been a blast i mean just talking about music lifestyle there's so much there's so much to cover go on forever exactly. and uh, i'd love to do this again uh we will sometime we will. but uh thanks for coming on you got it buddy you got we'll it. do it again next time all right